What kind of content do people want to watch on YouTube these days? That's a question I ask myself a lot. Welcome to Get Offset. My name is Emily and I do something that people really seem to love to hate on. But first, I want to talk about something I do that people don't tend to hate on so much, and that's play music. This past weekend, I played a birthday gig for Georgetown Brewery in Seattle. Uh, it was with Jerf, J-E-R-F, that's the band I play bass in, and it went really, really well. Um, it was stupid hot for Seattle, but it felt great in the shade. Unfortunately for all the musicians, the stage was was facing west, which as you may have guessed, means the sun is setting directly into the stage. We only, we played kind of early-ish, so it wasn't that bad. And uh, it we were, however, the set where the sun started to creep onto the actual stage. Every performer before us had pretty good uh, and complete shade. And I could really tell when uh, that sun hit my black pants <laughs> that it was going to be hot. Uh, I know you're going to be curious, so I played my Fender Mustang bass. That's the that's the player bass uh, series, I think. It's got a PJ pickup setup. Uh, I played that into the Catalan Bread Mini Worlds phaser, which I do think is a slept-on, criminally slept-on pedal from Catalan Bread. I like that one a lot, especially the envelope control mode, so I kept it kind of kind of classic there and I really enjoyed having that on the board. So that was first in my signal chain and then I had the sensation Fuzz Drive by Heather Brown Electronicals. I don't use that a lot in the set. I think it and one of the other pedals I use uh, pretty much once per gig but it really packs a wall up when it's time to go all out and go real hard. After that I have that Mazette lower drive. I believe that was also called the Robert Overdrive. And that company does not exist anymore, unfortunately. I believe they were French. Um, I don't know. My friend Sean got it on Reverb years ago. And uh, when he was looking to sell it, he knew how much I liked it because I played it um, at the butcher shop, the studio uh, he worked at with uh, Michelle Sullivan and the All Night Boys as an All Night Boy. So I got to I got to play that, and I think I played that on Little Pink Room, the, the song that's at the end of the episode. Um, it was that, or I played it when we opened up for Reckless Eric at Exit, uh, the five spot, I mean, in East Nashville. But back to the gig. Um, well, I should say that after the single chain, it's the, the, the special cranker um, from Earthquaker Devices, and I, I used that exactly once in the gig, and it gets the job done. I really like that pedal on bass. I don't see it on a lot of bass boards, but, um, I think it's sick, so. <laughs> but Mike Adams even made the trek down, um, and that meant a lot to me. We got to chat for a bit and enjoyed some pizza and drinks. It was a really great time, and he got a really great picture of me that he posted in his Discord, so if you're not in his Discord, I believe you can join his Discord via Patreon, uh, which is the same way you can join the Get Offset Discord, is by subscribing on Patreon. For us, it's as little as $5 a month, 
gets you access to that exclusive Discord server. For um, $10 a month, you get uh, merch. So $5, obviously the most popular level. I really love that Discord server. Tons of great people in it and some new folks as well. So shout out to everybody in that Discord. Uh, you can also support us, I believe, directly through Spotify. Um, or you can get merch at getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop. Or if you're ever watching the YouTube, you can drop a super chat during premieres and you can uh, say thanks on the videos later. So um, those are just some ways to support. I really like it when people listen on Spotify. That's a great way to support this channel because uh, they actually give me a better revenue per mill as an RPM than YouTube does. So um, thank you, Spotify. I don't know why you are paying podcasters more than you're paying musicians, but at least I'm getting paid for Spotify for one of my ventures. It, you know, it's a feeling. It's not a great feeling. But uh, so since that gig is over, I have three more gigs in the next two weeks. And I've mostly focused my attention to my upcoming disco gig. I have a few gigs before that. One Sunday crush. So I'm not so worried about that one. That's this Friday at Barboza if you're free. Though I don't know how you can pick between that and seeing Mike Adams at the high dive. I am, I am so sad that we're playing at the same time, but uh, that's kind of how it goes. But um, disco is a new genre for me, so I'm dedicating more time to it. Disco guitar isn't the world's hardest thing from a make the songs sound recognizable standpoint, but it's still a highly technical genre, and I really want to make sure I get it right. One thing I didn't expect was wanting to get new guitar picks. I'm used to playing at least one millimeter thick jazz style picks, but disco really seems to lend itself to um, 0.50 millimeter super thin picks. Luckily, I happen to have a pretty hefty selection of guitar picks, and this started well before I started a YouTube channel dedicated to guitar. Um, when I was in middle school, my dad took me to an auction at a guitar shop. I left with some cheap guitars, some Dan Electro guitar pedals, and a tackle box full of different guitar picks. You know, the kind that sets out on the counter and you can, like, flip through. And it's, like, I don't know if guitar picks were really that different in, like, uh, 2003, but it feels that way. So, yeah, I've been carting those guitar picks around for 20 years. Most of them weren't really my kind of pick, but I was relatively new to playing. Uh, and I really wanted to test out a bunch of different shit. And I can tell you one thing. I did not bond with those big triangular fender picks. They are like tortoise. They are literally big triangles. I gotta say that they're, they're like, they feel like they're like an inch and a half on each side. It's, a, it's an equilateral triangle. I don't feel like I've seen those in a really long time. And I don't know anyone who's ever played them. So please let me know. Did you use those weird triangle guitar picks they're huge they're dumb i hate them if you want them i will send them to you for free but um i found out i do have a pretty good amount of super thin picks so for funk and disco the flexibility of the thin pick creates a much smoother feeling attack and a brighter tone 
both are super essential elements for disco. In a lot of these songs, the guitar leans into its role as a rhythm instrument, something something we kind of forget the guitar technically is sometimes. It's more drum-like in these genres than others, and the groove is as important as the notes that you're playing. And if Nile Rodgers uses a 0.50 millimeter pick, and I'm playing a few of his songs, uh, I'm going to try that first because I was having a hell of a time getting Lafrique to sound some kind of right with a thicker pick. And as soon as I switched to a thinner one, uh, per one of the tutorial videos I was watching, uh, it really made a huge difference. Um, other than that, I'm working on getting some song structures down and highlighting anything in the, the set list that's a bit riffy, but it's trucking along and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, one of my favorite guitar lesson channels on YouTube is a guy named Jason Reed. My husband knows him as the Hey Guitar Buddies guy. He's uh, he's he's from somewhere in the UK and he just has a great energy and he has like nearly 3,000 lessons. I, I discovered him because he has like hundreds of Prince guitar tutorials and sometimes he goes a little bit fast but for the most part he does just such a great job. So if you're ever looking to to learn a song, consider checking out uh, that Jason Reed, that's R-E-E-D channel on YouTube. I'm a huge fan. Now back to the topic at hand. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. It's something I decided to start doing of my own free will, knowing that people have a love-hate relationship with anyone deemed an influencer. It's kind of funny. I feel like even people who hate influencers or say that they hate influencers and YouTubers, they all have like at least one or two that they think are are really, really great. Like if they say, oh, I don't like, I don't like 60 Cycle Hum, you know, but what I, what I really like is, and then they'll have somebody else like that they like, or I don't like Red Shawl, but I really, really like Pete Thorne. I'm like, well, they're all great. <laughs> all those people I really like. Um, I don't know what it is, but the thing is, it just seems like even if you think you have a major disdain for this group of people, and if you heard a pop right, then that was my shoulder. But even though, <laughs> even if you feel like you have this big disdain for guitarists on YouTube, YouTube guitarists, whatever, there is, it's probably just like, I like these ones but I don't like those ones and that's, that's fine. But it, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, that's kind of funny to me, but yeah, I have a modest 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and it's honestly something that I'm super, super proud of. It was a lot of work getting here and I'm very thankful to all of the people who helped make it possible. All of my early supporters, I'm especially thankful to people like Ryan Burke, who is someone who really encouraged me to start doing this. Um, I'm even a little appreciative of hitting Polly, who uh, once said that there just he there's weren't any women guitar demo artists, and I wanted to make it harder for him to say that. So <laughs> uh, that you know, everybody, all my Patreon supporters, um, it's been quite a ride and something that I still very much enjoy doing. And something else I get to do is 
meet and talk with a lot of other YouTubers, which can be pretty fun. These days, I've noticed a trend with what we talk about, and there are these kind of... A lot of my conversations circle around a few, I guess I would say, concerns that people have. Uh, that's burnout, which is something that I've talked about, and view counts, um, which is something that everyone's kind of talking about slash not talking about. And, I, you know, I feel like maybe I should just talk about it. I don't know how much I want to talk about burnout, especially since I feel like I just mentioned it last week, but you know me, I am going to talk about it. And honestly, the truth is I feel like a real asshole talking about feeling burnt out while I'm doing something that's honestly super cool that tons of people really want to do, that some tons of people are struggling at achieving any semblance of what might be considered success. I love guitars, pedals, making music, and all that. And it's wild to me that I get to work directly with brands that make some of the coolest gear that has, and I'm not just saying this, ever been made. Right now, we are in an age where all of these pedal brands especially are trying to outdo each other. There are pedals coming out weekly that are absolutely mind-boggling. A lot of it is so impressive that I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't get calls to demo all of this stuff, especially some of the more, you know, boutique stuff early on, but it's a joy to explore these sounds at all. And I hope that's evident by my face in a lot of these demos, um, including the one that comes out today, July 25th, 2023. But let's be honest, doing anything, no matter how enjoyable, day after day, week after week, can grind on you. And no matter how creative you are, there are days where you simply feel drained. And making videos isn't just about having fun with the pedal. You have to film it, edit it, and promote it. And that is so much work and filming videos it's 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 tough like i you have to <laughs> you have to learn how to set up a camera you have to learn about lighting you you have to learn about video synchronization you have to deal with drift issues sometimes um it's a lot to balance and i've spent a lot of time uh simplifying my own workflow to make doing this as easy as possible and it still can be really tough. So many people who want to start gear channels realize pretty quickly that filming and editing videos is real work. A lot of the times I'm pretty happy with my first video take, but more often than I'd like, which is never, something goes wrong and I have to refilm and it takes the wind out of my sails when I do this. Even though in my brain, I know that my second take is usually better. Like almost always my second take is better. The other day I filmed three takes of a video and my audio was clipping in each one. I had no idea what was going wrong. It took me three takes to realize that my camera wasn't saving the audio settings correctly and the default audio gain is plus 26 decibels, 
which is absolutely bananas. So the problem was I'm using a DJI transmitter receiver wireless kind of lav mic system to send the audio from my voice directly to the camera. It saves a lot of time in post-production and usually works really well. I recently got a new camera and uh, I was trying to solve the issue in the transmitter because it's happened from the transmitter and receiver before. So I'm like adjusting the gain settings on that. I'm like, what is wrong? And then I realize it's the camera. And if I had known, if I had known that, I would have fixed it a lot faster. Um, but it took me two hours to film 15 minutes of talking, which I edited down quite a bit. And, you know, some days as a guitarist, your fingers just don't work. This isn't like the most common thing with me. I'm pretty good at warming up. But there have been times filming where I just can't play guitar very well. I mean, looking back, that sounds like a pretty surefire symptom of burnout, you know? And here's one that's super fun to talk about. Uh, sometimes you just fucking hate the way you look. There are times where I get comments calling me ugly or fat or whatever. And yeah, those are, are mean, but frankly, like they don't, those don't really get to me. They, they kind of make me laugh. I always want to reply, like, you think I don't know what I look like? It's like? I look at myself and my own face more than you look at my face. And I truly believe that no one should look at themselves as much as I have to look at myself. And I, I usually think I'm pretty handsome, but... <laughs> shit there are days where I feel like an absolute goblin and that's normal but when I film an otherwise good take and decide I hate my face that day what a terrible feeling I've refilmed perfectly good demos because I didn't like the way I looked or what I was wearing if you saw my Sterling by Music Man St. Vincent Goldie demo that's a great example I filmed that fucking thing three or four times before I got a good take because I had, you know, a mix of technical issues. Uh, I didn't like the lighting, blah, 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 blah. And I go to edit and decided that the shirt I was wearing made me look fat. I refilmed it the next day and I was happier with it. But sometimes I put the camera somewhere and it's not great. It doesn't look great. And uh, yeah, or, or even the video I'm releasing today. I filmed that one more times than I wanted to because of technical issues. And then by the time I got a good take, I, I, I don't like my hair in it. I, I shouldn't say that. I know and I'm rolling with it for the video, but it's true. My hair in, in that last take got tucked a little bit under my shirt. I'm wearing a button up shirt with a collar and <laughs> and then so it got kind of tucked under somehow between takes and I didn't catch it and I have a little cow lick on my face and uh sometimes I'll get just like a little tuft of hair that kind of floats in on my forehead and I hate that and in this one when I turn my head I don't think my hair looks super well brushed and that sucks like <laughs> It sucks to be like, I did brush my hair before this take and it still looks bad. And I realize that nobody notices that shit 
until I've pointed out, but looking at yourself in that light, it does weird things to a person. Um, it, it really does. Like even front facing cameras, because we talk about like selfies and stuff, those distort your face. And then I'm looking at it from a different camera that doesn't have that wide angle lens. And then I'm just, not, it's just like, this, it's the whole thing. It's a, it's a whole thing. I really envy people who can have somebody else edit their videos for them. Um, I probably still wouldn't be happy, but at least I wouldn't have to be looking at myself all the time. And <laughs> we talked about the comments. Oh, the comments. Most of them are like fine, whatever, but some of them exhaust me. And I'm not even talking about like the mean ones. Again, like I kind of roll with mean comments. They don't bother me that much. And I'm sure this happens a lot to bigger channels. But I can really tell when I get comments from someone who really craves human interaction and doesn't feel fulfilled in that department. And I, I feel for those people, but I don't have the emotional bandwidth for it is ultimately what, what it comes down to. And again, bigger channels also get this worse than I do, like private DMs from people who just want a friend so badly. And I feel honored that these people trust me and see something in me to share. But there are times where people have shared just horrific shit with me things that they are going through and it's really hard to hear that kind of thing when you're not trained for it and it's not that I don't want to be there for people but a lot of times like I don't know you and I don't feel equipped to help you and it bogs me down and it burns me out and I'm pretty bad. I've realized at setting personal boundaries when it comes to myself and I need to be better at it. I started this channel with the idea that I was going to be able to set personal boundaries and I don't think I've done the world's worst job at it, but I think it's something I need to get back to a little bit. Um, but the big point, the big point I wanted to make is I think it's natural to feel burnout and plenty of people have quit doing demos because of the burnout and I'm not planning on quitting, but I am making moves to lessen that burnout. Things like not trying to release three to four videos a week like I had been doing. So, or like diversifying my content like I'm trying to do or changing how I'm doing this podcast, which has already been extremely helpful to me. But that kind of brings me to talk about view counts. So um, I've talked to so many people, YouTubers specifically, who haven't been happy with their view counts. It's extremely normal in the summer for your watch metrics on YouTube to go down and then pop back up in the winter when people aren't outside as much or taking vacations. But I don't know. A lot of people think this year feels different. It feels like demo-related content, especially pedals, to be honest, aren't doing as well. But sometimes I'll release a more talking head style video or like a video essay and see higher engagement. Is it just that the content is different or are guitar nerds like me looking for different content altogether? I'm of the mindset that people follow YouTubers and other, you know, people on social 
because they want to see people doing cool things. Is playing through a new guitar pedal cool? It definitely can be, but is it as cool or entertaining as other types of content? I do think different platforms favor different types of content. Demos don't do well on TikTok at all, for example, but a video of you playing guitar, even if it's not super technical, can do numbers. Instagram Reels love videos of you playing too. TikTok likes videos of mini rants with your spiciest takes, uh, <laughs> and that can really um, snowball. But um, I personally watch a lot of YouTube videos and not just guitar-related content. I like music commentary. Sometimes I like reaction videos. I love videos that debunk myths. I like how-to content. I'm on a kick right now of watching Zelda Tears of the Kingdom videos because then I can see how other people play the game, uh, which is, I am very bad at, but having a lot of fun with. I even like Pokemon Go videos where creators film themselves on walks catching Pokemon and just kind of talking about things that are upcoming in the game or whatever. And that's not like the most exciting content in the world, but something I really enjoy, you know, putting on while I'm eating lunch or whatever to unwind. It's just doesn't, it doesn't all have to be life-changing content. And I use a lot of these videos that I personally watch to inspire new content on Get Offset. I had a video where I went to the Thunder Road Guitars Garage Sale in West Seattle, and it, it did great. And that was mostly a video of me driving to West Seattle, waiting in line, picking up some random shit and playing it for a bit. It was not high effort content, but it was a cool thing to do. And like I said, people like watching people do cool shit. Making music is inherently cool shit. So is working on guitars. I think that's why my pickup swap videos do so well. And I think it's a reason new YouTuber Nisebel, who films herself working on guitars, has done so well in a relatively short time frame. She's doing cool shit. So how can we keep doing cool shit without resorting to clown shit? That's, that's the big question. Like, I don't particularly want to jump the shark and be weird for weird's sake. I like Gen Z's sense of humor, but I don't want to attempt it. So I'm going through a process where I'm trying to be more thoughtful about some of the new content I create. Because to, to be honest, I look at what I was doing for maybe a year and it, I can see where it felt like autopilot. Like I get pedal, I film pedal, and there wasn't a lot of thoughtfulness in that otherwise. And I'm recognizing that in my content. And it's, it's something that I would like to change um, and just find my own way to do it. Because I think for a long time, what really worked for me was it feels like you're hanging out with a friend who is just so stoked for this new piece of gear that they got and they want to show it to you. And I think that's very fun and I enjoy filming it. I enjoy watching it. But there is obviously a lot more competition for it. I guess for lack of a better phrase, not that YouTube videos are like pie. Most people watch multiple creators. But um, 
All this is to say, I try to make music I would want to listen to, and I want to make videos I'd want to watch, and hopefully a podcast that I would want to listen to, and just as importantly, that you want to listen to. That has been this week's episode of Get Offset. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon at patreon.com slash getoffset. Uh, link in show notes. We also have merch at getoffsetpodcast.com slash shop. I believe there's a way to make donations on Spotify, though I've never tried that. There's definitely a way to do that on YouTube. You can go to any YouTube video. In fact, like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube, please. Um, consider leaving a review of this podcast if you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe on Spotify as it helps me keep my Spotify monetization. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Until next time, my name is Emily. One, two, Goodbye. <laughs>